You're listening to audio from Risen Life Fellowship. If you'd like to learn more about our church or donate to this ministry, please visit risenlifefellowship.com. We're going to talk this morning about something that we hear say a lot in this church, and that's running to Scripture. Whether it's um, said word for word or just kind of implied, it's pretty much something that Josh preaches on every single Sunday. It's something we talk about in our small groups all the time. It's something that we as Christians need to live out. So we're going to talk this morning about what exactly do we mean by that. So in order to do so, we're going to be in Mark 5. So if you want to turn with me, I believe if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen behind me. But we'll be in Mark 5, 21 through 43. And if you get there, stand with me. All right, so starting in verse 21, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her, that she may be healed, that she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from, suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had, and she had no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I touch his clothes, I shall, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood uh, was dried up, and she fell, or she felt in her body that she was healed from her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was speaking, some, someone came from the ruler, or someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw, um, and saw those who were weeping and wailed, and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. 
Then he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know, should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. You may be seated. So I love, I love this passage because there's just so much that can be learned from it, uh, depending on just which characters we're focusing in on and which aspects of the story. For the sake of this morning, we're going to be looking at this kind of as a case study where we're going to be really comparing the, uh, the two reactions that uh, Jairus and the bleeding woman had to their times of trouble. So let's start with, let's start with Jairus. What we know about him. The passage says that he's, he was one of the rulers of the synagogue. Uh, his role at, in, as the ruler of the synagogue would be kind of a, the spiritual and the, the business um, guidance for the synagogue, similar to how a pastor or an elder is today, kind of running the church, running the synagogue, um, leading it in that way. We also see that his initial reaction is he comes running out of the synagogue, throws himself before Jesus, and says, come, lay your hands on my daughter, help heal her. So up to this point, we see this man who has a status, at least, of of great faith. Uh, He comes and shows action of throwing himself in, in the times of trouble before Jesus and saying, I need your help. And to this point, he's done everything that, you know, we could imagine someone who is a follower of Christ to do during this time of trouble. However, if we keep reading, starting in verse 22, it says, When he saw him, speaking of Jesus, he fell at his feet. And then in verse 23, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so in verse 23, he he uh, throws himself down, but skipping down to uh, verse 36 and 35, um, Jairus is told that his daughter had died. And then Jesus looks at Jairus and says, do not be afraid, but only believe. When I, when I read this part of the story, when I read about Jairus and his reaction to his situation, it reminds me a lot of just how we as Christians face hardship, because it's how I face hardship a lot of times. I know that in the face of trouble, I need to run to Jesus. And so I'll do, I will, I'll, I'll pray, I'll, I'll run to scripture. But then what about whenever the situation doesn't work out the way I want it to, or it doesn't happen, especially, this is speaking straight to me, if it doesn't happen in my timeline. Is it, can anyone relate to that? Then we start saying, well, what do I need to do? How do I fix this? Instead of saying, I trusted God initially, I'm going to keep trusting God. That's kind of how, what we see here with Jairus. However, Jesus looks at Jairus, and he says these words. He says, do not be afraid, only believe. See, Jesus has given us and given Jairus here a a two-part command. Jesus understands that fear and faith cannot coexist. You cannot have this 
this little this fear, this worry, and still trust God through your circumstances. You can't have this doubt of, of God to be greater than your circumstance and trust God to be greater than your circumstance at the same time. We're tracking? Yes? No? Deer in the headlights? Jesus says we have to do two things. We have to first not be afraid. That's a choice we have to make. We have to say, I'm not going to worry about my circumstances. I'm not going to focus on my circumstances. I'm going to focus on Christ. I'm going to turn my eyes away from my financial struggles, away from my my health struggles, whatever my situation is. I'm going to shift them over here to Christ. I'm not going to be somewhere in between. I'm I'm not going to be over here. I'm going to be focusing on Christ. We have to make that decision. And then second, Jesus says, only believe. He doesn't say, believe and still worry. Or believe and try your best to make things work. He says, if you truly trust me, you're going to trust me and you're going to give it over to me. We're not, we're not sitting here saying, one foot in, I kind of trust Jesus, one foot out. We're not doing the hokey pokey right here, right? We're saying, we're jumping in two feet and saying, Jesus, I trust you. I'm giving it all over to you. We have to only believe. I don't think it's a coincidence here that these two stories coincide. It's not just by chance that um, these stories of Jairus and the bleeding woman um, go hand in hand. Because we see Jesus give Jairus this, this command to only believe. And then we get to see it lived out by the bleeding woman. So let's turn our focus to her. So this bleeding woman... We don't know specifically how um, her medical situation came about. All we really know is that she had this medical condition that caused her to bleed for 12 years. She was seen as unclean in, her, in the society she lived in. Uh, the law in, in Leviticus 15, 25 to 27 says, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity. All the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be, shall be as the bed of her impurity. Whatever she sits on shall be unclean, as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So in in addition to being unclean, in addition to being really a social outcast, verse 26 of our main text, it says that she's seen doctor after doctor after doctor 
exhausting all her resources, exhausting all her, her finances in order to try to figure out what in the world is going on, how to fix her, and still has no answer. From an outsider's standpoint, you would look at her and say, she's lost it all. She has nothing left. However, we see in verse 28 that the one, she, one thing she didn't lose was her faith. She knew that if she could just touch the hem of the garment Jesus was wearing, she'd be healed. She knew if, if she could just somehow get to Jesus, her faith, that faith that she had in him, she knew that that would fix her situation. Now, she could have looked at this crowd. We, we see that it was a great multitude. She could have looked at this crowd and said, there is no way I'm getting through this. She could have thrown up her hands and said, maybe, maybe later. Maybe I'll catch up with Jesus whenever it's more convenient. But no, she didn't. Instead, we see her fighting through this crowd. Whenever I, whenever I read this passage, it reminds me of um, a basketball coach I used to have. He, he was teaching us how to rebound one day. He was t- telling us how the ball is, is our ultimate goal. It's where we're trying to get to, and we're not going to let anything stand in our path. So if you, if you need to, you're going to throw your shoulders. You're going to act like you're coming in and, you know, putting on clothes. He said, you just, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get there. So I picture this woman just, you know, swim moving. She's making herself skinny and sliding through. She's ducking. She's doing whatever it takes just so she can get to Jesus because she knows he is the one who can fix her situation. Throughout life, we face hardships. Whether they might be similar to this woman, they might be a medical hardship, they might be financial, work, family, any number of things. But how do we, how do we deal with that? Are we standoffish? Do we look at the crowd and say, no, I'll see if this is too hard. I'll see if I can do something about this first, and then maybe I can get to Jesus. Or maybe I'll catch up with Jesus later. Do we approach it like that? Or are we approaching it like this woman and saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I will not stop until I get to Jesus. Do we run to Jesus with that reckless abandonment? So in this passage, we see this woman just giving her all to get to Jesus. However, if we look at the 21st or 21st century 2019 church today, we don't have this bodily physical Jesus that we can run to and physically touch his garment. So how do we run to Jesus? How do we in our time of need live this out? Well, first we pray. When we have when we have our situation, when we have the storms come our way, we pray. We don't pace up and down the floor of the waiting room worrying. We don't take our, our money out of the bank and throw it under a mattress because that's how we try to keep things safe. We try to white-knuckle our way through our situation. No. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time 
Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Scripture literally tells us if we have our issues, if we have our, our um, cares, as it says here, to cast them upon Jesus is commanding us to say, whenever you're going through your, your struggles, don't hold on to them. Don't try to he-man your way through, but humble yourself. Pray. Give it to Christ. If Christ is, is big enough to overcome the grave, then he is surely big enough to overcome your situation. He's surely big enough to overcome that health situation, that, that, that situation with family, that situation with your child, whatever it is that we try to hold so dearly to because we don't want to lose control, we don't want to uh, feel like we're just floating and have no, no control of what's happening. Whatever it is that we do for that for, Jesus is saying, give that over. It's not worth you holding on. And if, it's, if you guys are anything like me, the more I try to hold on to my situation, the more I try to fix it, the more I realize I screw it up even worse. So we pray. What do we do next? We run to Scripture. What do we mean? We go digging through, the, through God's Word. It's full of His promises. It's full of his promises that he's given us that we can hold on to. God hold tr- holds true to every word he says. So we look and we see where he's provided. We look in his word and we see where he's taken care, where he's promised to take care uh, of us. And we hold on to those knowing that he's a, a trustworthy God, knowing that he's always faithful to his word, knowing that if we just fill our minds with these promises, not focusing on our hardships. God's going to lead us there. God's going to get us through. It might not look like what we always think it should look like. It might not come in the time that we think it should come. But that doesn't mean God's forgotten us. That doesn't mean that God has just kind of thrown us to the side and said, I'll get to you guys eventually. No, we can always trust that God has a plan, and that everything he does is for his good. Finally, we rest. It's that simple. Psalms 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. This word rest means a a very particular kind of rest. It means to rest in silence. We're not sitting here saying, God, I trust you, but I'm going to keep saying, you know, this is exactly what I want. It's not, God, I trust you, but you should do it this way because this is what benefits me or this is what I feel like should happen. It's, no, we rest, we sit back and say, God, I understand that whatever you're doing is ultimately for a greater purpose, and I trust that. And then when, whenever we still struggle through that, because I know I still struggle, we repeat. That's simple. We pray, we run to Scripture, we rest, and then we repeat. And God 
always, always, always comes through. I know this ended up being short this morning, but it's something that has been on my heart for a while. And if you guys bow your heads with me. This is something that's been on my heart because I feel like it's something that we as Christians struggle with so much. We as Christians try to hold on to our situation. We try to fight our way through whatever's going on. And all, all we do is we really just get in the way. We, we mess it up. So I ask you this morning, I ask, you know, why, whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that's keeping you from being able to say, God, here's my situation. I give it to you. I pray that this morning that you turn that over to Christ. Maybe this is a brand new concept for you. Maybe this is an idea that is so foreign because all your life, all you've done is tried to, to hold on to it, to just white knuckle and just get through because that's all you know. Maybe you've never given anything to Christ before. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. I ask you this morning, you don't have to leave here and let that be the same. I ask you this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, don't leave here and be the same way. Be changed when you walk out of this room this morning. If you're tired of of living this life where you're just fighting so hard. And this morning, give it over to Christ. And it's, it's super simple. It's not some big drawn out process. It's as simple as just saying, Lord, I've been in control of my life for far too long. I've been trying to will my way through my life for far too long. And Lord, this morning, I give it to you. I give my life over to you. I surrender my life for you. I no longer want to live this life for myself. I want to live this life for you. I want to bring you honor and glory with everything I do. So if that's you this morning, just... Say a simple prayer with me. There's no magic in these words. There's nothing special about the words themselves. It's about the heart. And if your heart is ready to give it over to Christ, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for living a life that is about me. I'm sorry about living a life that is for my glory. But Lord, today, today I'm giving you everything. It might be scary at times. It might not even make sense at times. But Lord, I trust you. I trust that what you're doing in my life 
is for a purpose. And I surrender my life to you. I surrender in a way that I'm going to live this life for you. Not for myself, not for anyone else, but for you. If you prayed that prayer, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything special. I just want to know how I can be praying for you this week. So if you prayed that prayer, I just ask that you can just real quickly just slip your hand up just so I know how to be praying. Well, I pray that means that we all know Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray that means that we all have surrendered our lives to him. But even as Christians, we still try to hold on to our life, hold on to our our circumstances at times. Maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe it is health, finances, family, whatever. Maybe you are trying to force your way through your circumstance. I ask this morning that you take some time and just surrender that to Christ. Don't hold on to it anymore. Don't try to carry that burden. But as scripture says, cast all your cares on him. I'll just give you a minute. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for all you've done in our lives, Lord. For sending your son to die on the cross so that we may have eternity with you, Lord. Father, I pray that if anyone is going through something this morning that they're just trying to do whatever they can to just get through. Lord, I pray that that they just turn it over to you, Lord. That as we as we say in this church over and over, run to scripture, Lord, I pray that we actually live that out. Lord, there's so much peace in being able to give you our burdens. Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful for what you're doing in and through our lives, Lord. Father, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.